Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go out to the Toyota of Hollywood guest line. Shop over 1,500 Toyotas indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toyota of Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. Our guest here is uh, the great former NBA head coach, George Carl. Coach, you're on with Zaslow and Amber here in Miami. How you doing? Oh, life is good. I'm hibernating and, you know, trying to sit in my house and figure out what to do every day. Now, I got a little I got a little Rolling Stones for you there, coach. I hear you're a big uh, you're a big Stones fan, big rock fan. If that's the case, uh, you and I, we have very similar taste in music. Well, I'm a 70s rock and and 80s and, uh, you know, I kind of since about 1980, 89, I probably faded from the music scene, but the Stones are good. I think I've seen them four times, so I hear they're still trying to tour. Maybe I'll get them one more time. What is, if, uh, if, if I went to Coach Carl's car right now, what do you have uh, in, the, you know, in, your, in your, your go-to music right now? What would I hear? Uh, I'm probably into quiet mode when I'm in my car. I do a little, I, read, I, I, I have talk books and stuff like that, but... Music-wise, it'd probably be the Beatles. I hate to say it. Maybe Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, maybe right. a little bread. A little quiet stuff. Okay. All right. Nothing wrong with that. Well, we're glad to talk to you here. We're hoping we can have you on for uh, you know several weeks here. Talk some basketball. Talk some NBA. First up, uh, how are you doing with everything that's going on? Your family and all that. Are we staying safe? How are we doing? Uh, I'm blessed. My family is safe. Uh, um, my, my, my older family with grandkids live in Olympia and Olympia, Washington. So I was a little worried about them because of the Seattle problem, but they're good. And Olympia doesn't have as much trouble as Seattle does. And uh, my son, Kobe went home from LA to go and he lives in Boise. So that's a quiet place. So I think from my standpoint in Denver, uh, you know, I think the the governor here and the mayor have done a good job of quieting the city and bringing stillness to the situation. But I can't, you know, just be honest with you, it, it took me a little bit. You know, I, I, I checked the boxes. I'm, I'm 68. I'm a male. I've had cancer. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to be as cautious as possible and be a good teammate to the world to try to get this uh, this nasty thing out of our lives. Uh, and and let's let's talk from a a basketball coach perspective. If you were still uh, coaching in the league right now, 
what would you be doing? Are, you know, what are the coaches today? What are they doing right now? Are, are they keeping in touch with their players? Are they are they making sure everyone is staying in shape in case the league comes back? Like, what's today's coach doing right now? I'd be going crazy. I mean, I would be uh, just nervous as hell, worried about everything, not sleeping very well, trying to figure out, you know, I'd probably be annoying the league office and calling all the general managers, what the hell's going on, tell me some, something I don't know, what's going to happen. I think it's a very difficult time for coaches right now because uh, because it's really going to come down to the business end of the, of the basketball world. And if, if it can work, and does it fit uh, a TV profile that can probably, you know, have a, a build a relationship that we can do this. But it's confusing. It's frustrating. It's uncertain. All those things are not good psychological motivations. So uh, as a basketball coach, I think most of them are probably going crazy, the ones that are you know, you know, the, the guys that might be on bad teams might be happy they're not getting whipped all the time. And, <laughs> but the guys that are, have gone good teams or a team like Miami that looks like they could do, make some noise in the playoffs are probably anxious and wanting to, uh, to get back to the gym as fast as possible. But I'm a little worried because, you know, if we come back with 30 teams and they start playing games, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little worried about some injuries for coming back too early. Uh, so I think they got to figure that out, how much time is necessary, the physiologist and the, you know, the, the doctors are going to have to be somewhat analytical on how much time to get back and, and then how many games you want to play. Yeah, Zaslow mentioned there in his question, these players staying in shape. And a lot of these guys don't even have access to courts right now unless they happen to have one in their backyard. How quickly does it take basketball players to get out of game-playing shape? Like, are they already out of game-playing shape at this point? I would think so. Um, I, would, I would definitely, a month is definitely, if, they, if they, they are not doing a lot of cardio. And even if you do cardio on a treadmill or take a run in the back, you know, in your neighborhood or ride your bike, whatever you're doing, you're not playing basketball shape. Uh, so it's going to take some time. You know, I think most people are saying two weeks would probably be the minimum amount of time. And 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 different athletes. I mean, there's some guys like like Gary Payton. You know, could sit out the whole summer, pick up the basketball, and be ready to play in two weeks. But some other guys, you know, if they if they didn't pick a basketball up and didn't didn't condition their body, it might take a month. So every everybody's going to be genetically a little different. Uh, on how to get in shape. The more athletic I think the team is, the probably the quicker they'll be able to get in shape. Is it a disadvantage for everybody? Take a guy like LeBron, for example. When you're in your mid-30s, is there any possibility there where the rest, the time off, let's say there's some scenario where the league is able to return, at least for the playoffs. Is there any scenario here where then LeBron is helped by the rest in a way that you know maybe you otherwise wouldn't be? I think the veteran teams are probably going to have an have a, a, a more of an advantage because of their experiences. Uh, I think also the older players probably like the rest a little bit more than the younger players need it. So I would I would lean to the, the veteran teams, the more teams that are more acclimated for playoff basketball and have had experiences of what's going on. 
And I think they'll also be adaptable to, to the change of if we go from a format of instead of a seven-game series to maybe a three-game series, I think they'll mentally and emotionally be able to figure out, uh, you know, the psychological advantages and edges that come with shortened series. So I, I would definitely think the veteran teams, the teams that have been in, have been in a championship march uh, hunt and, and the championship hunt in the, in the past years would probably have an advantage right now. We got the uh, the great coach George Carl here with us on Zazzle and Amber doing a little truth in basketball with him. Of course, you can hear his truth in basketball podcast available on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere you get your podcast. George Carl Truth in Basketball podcast. Now, I got to ask you here, Coach. You know, uh, I identify you. You've coached a handful of teams. When I think of George Carl. I think of your days with, with the Seattle Supersonics, okay? But that wasn't even the team that you coached the longest. You coached the Nuggets uh, in, in the NBA the longest. But I identify you with Seattle. Do you find that fans identify you most with one specific team that you coached? Um, yeah, I think that's fair. And I think Seattle probably had to, you know, going to the NBA Finals has a you know, it has a mark on your career that a lot more people watch the NBA finals than they probably watch the first round of the NBA playoffs. So, uh, and of course, playing against Michael in, in 96 was a, they're, they're a team that won 73 games that year and we won 64, 65. And it was a really, a really fun being in the NBA finals. And of course, there's a little bit of a magnifying glass when, when Michael's uh, your opponent. So, I think you're. I think you're fair. My most of my identification is probably in Seattle, uh, Denver. We had a lot of great regular seasons, but we didn't have a lot of playoff runs that were went to the conference finals one time, but lost in the first round the majority of the other times. Coach, when somebody asks you where you coached, do you say the Supersonics or do you say the Sonics? Because Zaslow keeps I say referring super. to them. Super. He always says Supersonics whenever we're referring to that team, and super. it drives me—it drives me crazy because I think he sounds nerdy. <laughs> nerdy? Oh man! It's too formal. The Everyone people, calls yeah, them the Sonics. The Come on. Uh, I'm a Supersonic guy. Uh, it was uh, a great run we had. I think we had five five seasons of 55 wins or more. And, well, you know, we lost in the first round a couple times, and that's and that and that kind of broke our that, those, the two years we lost in the first round were the two years that Michael was trying to hit a curveball down in Birmingham. So we kind of blew our opportunity a little bit there. But uh, you know, my career has been blessed. I've had you know I, I've, I've had a long career in the NBA. I saw, I've seen the NBA go. From an or, uh, from a league that was looking to you know bankruptcies and you know just a lot of major problems in the '80s, so I think one of the best run or, uh, you know sports sports is in the world and basketball has grown from you know a popular sport to I think probably the second most popular sport in the world today and it's become international. Our world is blown up and the change in how fast we're moving and and learning and evolving is an amazing thing and. Um, I'm fortunate that I was a part of it. All right. Well, you're the authority, so they will be the Supersonics uh, forevermore uh, out of my mouth as well. 
I, so I wanted to localize this a bit when we're talking about associations here, associating with the team. Is Pat Riley at the end of his career, is he going to be associated more with the Lakers or with the Heat at this point? Because he's been with the Heat for, what, 25 years at this point? You know, that's interesting. I think I think he'll probably be associated with the Heat. Uh, even though, I, th- I, you know, his teams in L.A. were fantastic and really, really difficult In a little bit, I mean, the way we play today, the Lakers were playing fast basketball even back then. Um, But I think when Pat went to New York and Miami, he became more of a, I think, a possession defensive oriented coach. and He built a system around the strengths and talents of his team. Uh, I would think, you know, because of the younger generation being being a fan of the NBA, I think Indiana and Pat Riley is probably recognized more as a Miami Heat guy. Coach, if I were to guess that your favorite player in the NBA that you coached was Gary Payton, would I be right about that? Oh, that would be a toss-up. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Gary, but he and I had our wrestling matches and our, our you know battles. Uh, but I, I would think it'd probably be someone off that Seattle team. I love, I love, I mean, I love Sean. I mean, Sean was probably the most talented player I've ever coached. Gary is probably the toughest competitor I've ever coached. But you got guys like Nate McMillan and Douglas Shrimp and Sam Perkins that were – I mean, the team that I love coaching was that team. And they, they, had a, they had a nastiness to them. They had a fight to them. They had a personality that I thought was fun to be a part of. And then off the court, they were all good guys. And they were really – you know, they, we fell in love. I think the city of Seattle fell in love with us and – we had a lot of good years where the city of Seattle was rocking because of basketball. You know, you, you mentioned Sean Kemp there, who, for me, you know, Coach, I'm 39 years old, so I grew up, you know, not watching basketball in the 90s as a kid, and Sean Kemp was one of the most exciting players, all right, to watch in the league. And I wonder what your thoughts are. Were We got a guy down here in Bam Adebayo who appears to be an, an emerging star, uh, he was an all-star this year for the first time in his third year. And one of the comparisons when Bam got to us was that he plays very similar to Sean Kemp. Have you seen very much of that? Uh, I see a little bit of it, but I think Adebayo has a better basketball sense and he's a best, better playmaker than Sean was. And I would have to say Sean is a little more explosive talent from athleticism. Uh, I mean, I love. I mean, I love Bam a lot. I mean, he is. I would say of of the new players coming into the game, along with Giannis up in Miami, I would put him and the kid in Toronto. Uh, those three guys are. I love them to watch play because they play the game the right way. And what I admire is at a young age, Coach Spo, Coach Spo has got him playing the right way at a very early age. And I think he's just going to be dynamic. I think, I mean, I, I was looking at Miami's roster last night, and I, I think his, I mean, not only is he a special player now, his, the roster is kind of fit for he will grow into maybe the best player on their team. You know, Jimmy Butler would probably be what people would call the best player on their team, but from a standpoint of impact and what he could be, Bam has, has a possibility of becoming their best player. 
Uh, this weekend on Sunday night, we got Coach Carl here with us, George Carl, Truth and Basketball Podcast. You get it wherever you get your podcast from, Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, he's joining us today. Uh, probably going to hang out with him for a few weeks. If he likes us, do you like us so far? Because if you like us, we, we want to have you back. How, how are we doing so far? Well, I, I just love basketball. I mean, right now, I mean, I, I'm I'm going back and watching old playoff games. I mean, if you want to watch a good a good game with Sean Kemp, go out and watch on YouTube the game between Golden State Warriors, my first year in Seattle, which was mm-hmm. I think '91, uh, between Golden State and Mullen and Hardaway and and, and and Richmond, and we played them in the first round in Game Three and Game Four. Were, were, was they were just fantastic basketball games. And so I, that's what I've been doing. I'm just trying to find, you know, my love for the game of basketball is a daily thing. It's been a daily thing for over 30 years, and now I wake up and I don't have anything. So I'm searching down a lot of games and watching a lot of ex, a lot, a lot, some of the playoff games that we've played. I went back and watched Denver beat us. When are we in Seattle? On some oh, don't reaches. put yourself through that. that, Coach. Why are you putting yourself through that? Come on. That was that was that was, I was awful in that game. I mean, I went back and watched the game. I said, "Oh, I, I'm not doing anything right in this game." I was an awful coach. That was I remember watching that as a kid because it was the first time that an eight seed ever beat a number one seed. But the key was, coach, that was back when the first round was best of five. I wish they would go back right. to that. Best out of seven, you never – now, not that you're going to see an eight beat a one very often at all. It's only happened a few times since then. But, you know, the the series ends up being a lot more competitive. I hate I hate it, Coach, that they switched from five to seven in the first round. What do you think of that? Well, I think if they come back and play, I think they're going to have to shorten the playoffs. I would see – I might even think they might go to a three-round first round playoffs and and then maybe second round second and third round be a five game series and maybe the finals be a seven game series i don't i you know i don't know what you all feel about bringing the season back i i I want basketball back i want it to be back but i kind of want it to be back healthy strong and vibrant i don't want it to come back and there's all this controversy over whatever whatever happens or no fans in the crowd or shortened season and you're going to have so many opinions thrown against the wall that I think it could create confusion and the summertime is is a relaxed time for a lot of people on going on vacation and and I just hope whatever commissioner silver decides that the game comes back in a way that we will have it bigger and better and not troubled by the decision to come back I agree with you. I think you make good points. I think it'll be a black cloud that's hanging over every game. Uh, But I want to ask you before we let you go here, Coach, you know, this Sunday night on ESPN, they're airing the first part of the 10-part series documentary, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, you know, about that last season, uh, 1998, with the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, you mentioned you faced those Bulls in the finals in 96. Uh, Are you going to be dialed into that on Sunday night? Does that interest you watching that documentary? You know, I really am. I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to watch all 10 episodes of it, but I'm probably over time I'll watch all 10 episodes. Uh, my, my, my feeling on it is, you know, there's, for about 25 years now, we've had the LeBron and Michael. Who's the best? LeBron, Michael, LeBron, Michael. And it drives me crazy because 
I mean, I love great players. I, I like Magic. I like I like Bird. I like John Stockton. I, I mean, Tim Duncan. There are a lot of great, great players. And it's, it's a personal thing. And But I, one thing I do like about Michael is people don't understand how dominating he was. And as where I think LeBron is a great player, and, and I think he's the best player in basketball for the last 10 years. But he doesn't have the separation that Michael had in the NBA. Michael, I thought, was number one. And number two, sometimes we didn't even know who number two was. It was Malone sometimes, Barkley sometimes, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, whoever, Tim Duncan or someone. I mean, but when Michael was in the league, he was so much better than the second best player. And I think if you go back and I think the games will show. And he was a total and complete player, as is LeBron. LeBron plays like all aspects and facets of the game. But Michael made the game so easy to play, as does LeBron. But um, I think his, I think Michael's dominance, I think over this of 10, 10, 10 episodes, five weekends of Michael Jordan, I think people are going to realize what a special player he was. You know, Coach, I'll leave you with this. Uh, it's a great point you make because while I certainly agree that LeBron's the best player in the league, you got people who say, nah, Giannis is the best player now or Kawhi is the best player now or Durant is the best player right now. But but Michael Jordan, okay, when he was playing, nobody ever made a case that he was not the best player in the league at the time. I agree 100%. I mean, he's, he's a special player, a special talent. I mean, things like he's never played in a, a game seven in a playoff series. Right. I mean, he never put himself in a position to lose. He's the MVP of every finals that he played in. Uh, the dominance of his greatness and specialist, and and he was, you know, he was an unbelievably good athlete and talented basketball player. But his mental toughness was was, I mean, I mean, I mean, again, LeBron is very mentally tough. But I don't know if he's as mentally tough as Michael was. Check out Coach Carl's Truth in Basketball podcast. Again, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Terrific job with us today, Coach. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, Like, what else we got going on? We're home? We're, you know, talk some bad, talk some hoops with us. I would love to. I'll be glad to join you. And Amber, I'm going to be sharing the word nerdy with me for a long time. Yeah, Amber. Listen, Coach Carl nerdy. and I were yeah, we're we're not a couple nerds here. All right, Supersonics. That's the name, Amber. Yeah, I'm, I'm the nerd. I, I got it. I got it. He's the authority. I'm listening to Coach. Uh, okay. I hope it's a basketball nerd and not a analytical nerd. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, great job, Coach. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Have a great day, guys. Girls. All right. See you, Coach. There you go. That's Coach Carl right there. All right, we got the answer. Supersonics. Doesn't want to be associated with the analytical nerds. Yeah, no, no, no. He's old school. He's old school. He's old school. Good job out of him. Uh, We'll talk to him again next week. Truth in Basketball with George Carl. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.